0: Hello, and welcome to the Brookwood Life of the Mind podcast. I'm Sherry Walsh, Assistant Head of School. The impetus for this podcast, for talking overtly outside of class, about the books and ideas that are important to us, comes from our opening in the fall of last year, Because we're a very small school, we were able to stay open while other schools closed, and we were happy to come to school with temperature checks, masks, windows open, air purifiers, big classrooms, potted students, Zoom cameras for the quarantining, and so on. Because the students were staying in one classroom, the teachers rotated from place to place, usually with several minutes of setup at the beginning of each class. Now, don't get me wrong, we were delighted to be open and delighted to stay open all year, but it was a lot of logistics. This year, we want to reaffirm our belief in the content of what we teach. We believe that the material is important, not just the skills. And we believe that something greater than the sum of its parts happens in the classroom when we can create the right conditions. We also feel it's important to talk right now about what we set out to do. Brookwood gives its students a strong education in Western civilization with the idea that a Brookwood girl can use it as a foundation to learn about anything and everything. The Brookwood teacher is always thinking about how better to foster the discussions that will lead the students to discover what they can do and what they can know, but the content is predicated on the belief that the classics tell us who we are and give us room to have insights and to move the culture forward in humane and unifying ways. Finally, the Christian culture offers us access to the good, the true, and the beautiful in ways that are compelling and inspiring. Indeed, as in today's podcast, talking a little about the magic of Dostoevsky or any literary, philosophical, mathematical, scientific, or artistic figure can help us remember that we're connected with great minds, great ideas, and great art can only give us confidence as we make our own offerings in any area, public or private. I hope you enjoy today's conversation with David Bose as he talks about how Dostoevsky changed the course of his life and studies and how he uses it with Brookwood students to help them understand more about the question of theodicy and about key choices they might make about how to live. I'm very excited for our inaugural episode with our first guest, David Bose, who is the head of the theology department at Brookwood. And will tell you, I think, a little bit about himself to get us started.
1: Right, so um, I've been teaching at Brookwood for about five years. Um, actually, I think this is, yeah, starting my sixth year.
0: You're a half year ahead of me. Uh,
1: yes, a half year ahead of you, because I came in January of 2016. Um, so I studied philosophy and the- philosophy at Catholic University, uh, theology at um, Mount St. Mary Seminary and um, Christendom's graduate program. And uh, I went to high school in Southern Maryland, where uh, we are going to talk about an experience I had in high school that kind of set me on my path towards uh, being here at Brookwood. Nice. In in some ways.
0: Yeah, great. The um, episode is about the Brothers Karamazov. So our listeners are tipped off to where this is going. And so I think that you maybe want to talk a little bit about the experience that connected you to the Brothers Karamazov and um, its subsequent meaning for you.
1: Right. So uh, when I was in high school, my senior year, I took a philosophy class. And part of the class was to read um, three chapters from this novel. So it's a Russian novel written by Fyodor Dostoevsky and it centers around uh, these brothers and brings up various questions and themes. Um, and so the chapters we read, uh, the first one, Rebellion, the second one, Grand Inquisitor, and then the third one was called is a Talks and Homilies from Elder Zosima. So they happen at different parts in the books. Rebellion and Grand Inquisitor happen together. But then it's the next uh, section of the novel where the um, talks and homilies take place so
0: and it's my understanding that these chapters kind of speak to each other
1: yes, I think so I, I definitely think so because these two uh, these three chapters and kind of um, speak to the the kind of the central conflict of the book um, in a way uh, I think which deals with How are we to make sense of the world in which we live? Uh, And so rebellion is, you know, um, Ivan, the kind of more intellectual brother, people say. Ivan, uh, second oldest, is speaking with the youngest brother, Alyoshka, and they are talking about uh, Ivan's problems with God. And Ivan's biggest problem uh, centers around the problem of innocent suffering. So, Rebellion is an account of various true stories of innocent children experiencing grave suffering, pain, and death, and how Ivan uh, basically rejects that God should have created a world in which this could have happened. Um, the, one of the key lines is Ivan asks Alyoshka if Alyoshka would build um, the framework of human happiness upon the tears. Of a young girl crying out for God, uh, and then Alioshka replies that the world is built upon the true innocent one who suffered for us and gives meaning to us, who is Christ. And so Ivan then responds, "Well, I wrote this play about, for this poem, he calls this poem about Christ."
0: Yeah, I love that um, it's called a poem.
1: Yes, and then he says, "Like, oh, it's kind of prose, but you know, a poem, and it's." It's okay. I mean, I'm not a really literary person, but yeah, I think it's common it's, it's because okay. of
0: it's, it's self contained, and even though time moves within it, it's meant to be, I think, more of like a meditation or a description rather than a story.
1: I'm, I'm gonna, you are the poetry expert, so I will <laughs> defer to you. Um, I honestly just haven't given it much thought. But um, in The Grand Inquisitor, uh, basically, it's set in, I think, 14th. 15th century Spain, um, and you have uh, at an alto de fe, so that was a big thing in the Middle Ages, where the um, accused heretics would either recant their heresy uh, or be burned. And so uh, Christ comes in the middle of this great thing again. So Christ is walking on earth, and there's a dead girl who's going, you know, the funeral is starting. And Christ, you know, speaks to the girl and resurrects her. And this makes all the people, you know, fall at his feet. They go kind of, you know, all in awe. And then the Grand Inquisitor comes and everyone falls silent and everyone just, you know, pave, basically clears a path for him and, and bows to him. And he looks at Christ and has him arrested. And then they go into, uh, he, he visits Christ in his cell and basically accuses Christ of, of ruining the chance for, uh, peace and ruining the chance for the end of suffering by increasing man's freedom by giving us uh, himself as kind of the image for how we should live and uh, he says you know rather than suppress your he says something to the effect of rather than suppress their freedom you enhanced it Um, he says man was man is too weak and it was it was basically unfair for christ to expect such a life from from humans um is kind of his point and the great secret is that they are with the devil all right, so he his analysis revolves around Christ being tempted by the devil and how Christ did the wrong thing and he should have given in to each of the devil's temptations because who really cares about heaven or hell uh, when there's suffering on earth? Is kind of the Grand Inquisitor's point like, end the suffering on earth because that's what's immediate, that's what's in front of us. Um, and so the Grand Inquisitor basically goes on this long tale of how Christ ruined everything and he's fixing it. Um, And then Christ's response, Christ doesn't engage with any of the arguments. Christ merely kisses the Grand Inquisitor as his response. And then the Grand Inquisitor lets Christ free, lets Christ go free. Um, And and Ivan responds that the kiss burned in the old man's heart, but he clung to his former ideas. Um, And Alyosha's response to Ivan's story is, is to kiss Ivan as well.
0: I love this. And Ivan says, plagiarism.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is great. but <laughs> And then, so basically there's this, this challenge kind of that we have to confront, which is the world in which we live. And how do we make sense of this world of turmoil and suffering and our freedom and how our sins bring about suffering and, and this, this kind of, you know is like what God offers, does it make sense, or should we work to, like you just have this dilemma um, that kind of people have to struggle with where like, how do we make sense of who we are?
0: And then the third piece is the positive example of the elder. Do you wanna just give a quick overview of that?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's a collection of talks he gave, compiled by Alyoshka because I believe he died before the, this chapter in the book um and then Aliosh and, and so it's just kind of recounting the earlier chapters are an explanation of his life and how he, the elder, came to to be, you know, this wise religious figure. And then the talks and homilies are kind of more a presentation of his thoughts on why life is worth living ultimately. So
0: and so you encountered this text as a high school student.
1: I did. Yes. Yes, How I curious
0: did. that you should end up teaching, oh, I don't know, high school.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how curious even more that I should teach these very chapters <laughs> as well yes. in high school. So, uh, But um, yes, this was, you know, senior year of high school. I was kind of, you know, lost, kind of waffling, you know. Um,
0: Big sports guy, I think.
1: Uh, well, I really liked sports, but I wouldn't, you know. I was the only player on the basketball team in my graduating class not to receive a scholarship to play. So. Uh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I really like sports, you know. really like my girlfriend. But, you know, kind of just...
0: So, I mean, that says to me that you are um, engaging with the temporal world and maybe not so much the world of ideas.
1: Yeah, yeah. Engaging with the... Te- yeah, and not... But then I had this philosophy class where I'm confronting these, these you know, perennial truths. Um, and really, being given reasons um, and explanations for why things are the way they are, that made me start thinking more critically. You know, um, one another text that really was influential was Augustine's City of God, uh, where he talks about what evil is and why we do evil, mm-hmm. and you know how it's just a disordering of goods. And I was like, whoa, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm being confronted for the first time with like actual thoughts. You know, like my, my education up to that point had not really been engaging with like not just hard truths but really like tr- you know is this it, your junior year this was senior year so it was like year. kind of surface level stuff and then senior year you know with this philosophy class we start actually
0: yeah that's interesting
1: talking deep you know yeah. um and i'm starting to actually think about these things um and also you know i actually think this was in the back like of my subconscious freshman year i had the same teacher and we read the Hollow Men by t.s Eliot. And I just remember thinking how lame they were, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like these people who are neither good nor evil, but just kind of like float through life and just kind of like, and I just was like, I don't want to be like that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was kind of in like, you know, there was this desire to actually have meaning that I think a lot of us have, but that can be lost because of the busyness of the world and just the constant noise. Mm -hmm. Um, so reading this, um, there's kind of like this answer that Zosama lays out. Well, not really answer, but there's kind of like this, um, Way of thinking,
0: right? A path. Right?
1: There's, yeah. There's a lens. There's a path. There's, you know, answer. You know, I think you know. We had some conversations with our fellow faculty, and I think answers is, is cuts it short, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not an answer, but that it, an answer is almost too narrow or too shallow. Yeah, of just a word. Of pat. Yeah. Too easy. Yeah, yeah. But this way of understanding reality
0: mm-hmm.
1: that helps you see the meaning of your life, and also the meaning of just creation.
0: Yeah, so Um, when Father Zosima speaks, there are a couple of things that struck me anyway as being sort of the main ideas. Um, That idea, first of all, that we're all responsible for each other's sin, and so we need to suffer for other people, and genuine brotherhood, when it's achieved, can mean the end of isolation. And then the second idea is that we have to love creation, love children, um, that humble love is important rather than force, and that hell shows up as not being able to love because it's too late, that the person has died before having achieved um, the mindset or the purity of spirit necessary to actually love other people. Um, And then finally, this idea that we need the image of Christ before us to remember our connection to the other world. And so those seem to be sort of main ideas that emerge. And of course, they connect back to the Grand Inquisitor and to rebellion.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the, the big one is this idea of, um, or this this line from Zosima, where he says, there's only one hope for salvation. There's only one salvation. Take yourself up and make yourself responsible for all the yeah. sins of men. And you will see that it is true, that be- before all, you are responsible. And so that, that passage always strikes people as strange, but here's my teacher telling us, like, this is, like, here you go. Like, and what's what's brilliant about it um, is, one, it's true, because who did take himself up and make himself responsible for all sin? Christ, right? And so it's this this brilliant way of saying of, of saying, like, look to Christ. Like you're mm. saying, keep the image of Christ before you. But more than just that unite yourself with Christ
0: right so point right. one and point three are not separate
1: yeah 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 and this this and of course as a high schooler I'm like this is amazing like, yeah because like, you want to live, like live for something great you want to live for something right. that has meaning you know and here's something that has very deep meaning mm-hmm. that kind of connects all the dots in our heads right because yeah. we all have this sense of like we should care about other people we're connected to other people you know, but then like, how do you get to like, well, why, you know? And, and of course the earlier, you know, the, another theme throughout the book is like, um, it's easy to love humanity, but it's hard to right. love your neighbors. So
0: right. Ivan talking about how you don't really love your neighbor. You think you do, but you don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, that's you. That's, that's me. That's <laughs> me. But Ivan, Ivan says, <laughs> says like, uh,
0: Ivan says that, um, <laughs> that the beggar on the street, right. Should put an ad on the paper rather than, um, appear.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like beggars should just put ads in the solicitations in the newspaper for money because we don't really want to see them, you know? And um Yeah, but but all and and I think like yeah, how do we understand our connection to our neighbor, you know? And and Zosima says uh the monk is the salvation of Russia, right? Mm-hmm. And and he talks about you think the monk is isolated, but we are more in communion with with one another and with with the world than 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 you are and he talks about the social isolation that people have even if they're having parties even if they're interacting with all these people nevertheless they're isolated because they're lacking something that actually brings about communion Mm -hmm. and for Zosima it's the responsibility for our sins that 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 because like by being united with Christ that actually brings about communion because now I really care about the other Mm -hmm. now I really want what's best for the other because it's not just like Now it's rooted in something that actually gives meaning. It's rooted in some someone who can help us understand why we're here. So how did this
0: manifest for the 18-year-old Bose?
1: Uh, Very slowly, Um, but it was kind of like I knew that was right. Yeah, you know, I knew that was true.
0: And yeah. then you've got this idea, not the Ivan idea, mm-hmm. but the Father Zosima idea. You have those ideas to look at and yeah. to sort of think about as guideposts or whatever as you proceed.
1: Yeah, and it was just—I uh, mean, it—it it was that I—that I knew was true, right? I knew like take yourself up, make yourself responsible for sin. I didn't exactly know why, but it—it it made how, sense. Right? Yeah. Or like how?
0: How do you do that?
1: Yeah, but it made sense. It seemed like this has to be true. Mm-hmm. Because, right, because I am a sinner, I sin, I fall short, and then, you know, therefore, but I also feel like I do have a connection to other people in terms of, like, we're all human, there's something that unites us, but, like, how am I connected with, you know, the starving kid in Africa, right? Right. Like, how am I connected to that person? You know, how am I connected to the beggar on the street? How am I connected? And so, I mean, it, it was an ongoing process that, like, this was what I knew to live for, But it wasn't until, you know... um,
0: And the church kind of does that, right? As long as we can understand it. I mean, it's sort of like, we're going to fast for this Mm -hmm. cause or this purpose. We're going to pray for other people. We're going to... uh, But, like, we can offer up our suffering for somebody else.
1: Yeah. 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 And I didn't know any of that, though. (laughs) Because my my religious formation was absolutely terrible, right? Like, I didn't know really anything about how to be Catholic. Um, And so once i saw that idea you know as true and then over the course of the rest of senior year starting to be exposed to like through philosophy so not even through like theology proper or reading the scriptures through philosophy because i had been baptized um i saw the the compatibility of faith and reason Mm -hmm. and right and so i have all these reasoned truths right these truths of reason that make sense
0: from philosophy from
1: philosophy and i'm like okay this is right The church teaches the exact same thing as this, but differently. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the church has to be right. Therefore, I have to be wrong in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Right? So then it's like, okay, try and change how I live, you know? And so then there's kind of like this battle going on in my soul over, you know, like living a typical hedonistic teenage life or living for Christ, right? And trying to, like, well, this is, you know, and then it just happened um, really by the grace of God. Uh, that something just clicked right? right and and something just I knew I had to stop living a certain way um, and then it, it took even six months from that point really before I finally went back to confession hmm. but I think it was it was this reading from Zosima that, that was like the, the the spark that then led to you know being interested in, in these philosophical truths that ultimately led me Back to the the teachings of the faith that led me to want to. And like with any good
0: conversion story, you know, it's like think about like St. Augustine, right? You have reason taking you Mm
1: -hmm. as far
0: as it can, and then something else has to happen. Yeah. And I mean, for Augustine, as for St. Paul, you know, salvation is not the work of man, salvation Mm -hmm. is the work of God. And so that moment, that things clicking or whatever Mm -hmm. is. Um, something external affecting your next move.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I think, too, about in contemporary culture, the desire of people to have purpose and Mm -hmm. how that seems right now to really be manifesting um, in terms of politics and in terms of um, really kind of temporal concerns in the way that, um, to some degree political causes can become kind of religious. This is not a profound statement, but (laughs) it's, um, and it does seem to be happening and people seem to be doing that in place of the more difficult, um, religious further step. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that, I think part of that comes down to, um, this, this, Search for meaning, the search for purpose, but also kind of being confronted with this this idea of the self made person, now, yeah, right? Where so it's, it's
0: particularly American.
1: Well, I, I would, I mean, you know, that's the interesting the self made person, but now I, you know, I mean, you could trace it to Sartre, right? Um, okay, what is, what is this thing? Um, being follows essence or essence follows being. Um, I can't remember which one it is, but this idea that you know you create yourself, mm-hmm. right? Which I think like the self-made man, when we take, think about America, it's like, you know, success. Like you don't sure. really... But I'm, I, what I mean is is a bit more sinister. It's like you have to invent what you are, uh, right? You have to invent what you are, right? You don't actually have a purpose, mm-hmm. right? So you have to find a purpose, but you don't know where to look. So you right. have, So now it's like, okay, I have to create a purpose. It seems like kind of know? the
0: annihilation of nature, yeah.
1: right? Yeah, ultimately, I mean, that yeah. there's
0: not something... Um, at a kind of foundational level that makes people who they are kind of fundamentally.
1: Yeah, yeah, you have, I think that's exactly right. You have kind of this denial that we are a particular type of thing, right? Or it's kind of not, maybe not enough, but there's not really a, a, a sense that we are a particular type of thing. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of encouraged to kind of invent ourselves. Oh, for sure. You know, um, because at the end of the day, like you either confront like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then if, if you don't have an answer for that, well, and you don't know where to look.
0: Right.
1: You know, you either end up, you know, well, there's no point. Or you end up creating or trying to create meaning mm-hmm. for yourself or find meaning for yourself in something. Right. You know, whatever it is. And, and instead, right, like, you know, Zosima is teaching us, you are here, right? And this is what the church teaches us. You are here because God has created you out of love. You are here because God loves you, right? And and that's really it. And mm-hmm. God wants you to be able to receive his love and love him. And, and that's kind of the message of Zosima with this take yourself up, make yourself responsible for all the sins of men, right? And if we begin there, we are creatures, mm-hmm. right? Created by a benevolent God who loves us. Well, then all of a sudden... You know, it's not like we can just, you know, check, All oh, right, my life's going to be great. It's going to be easy now, right? This, Zosima doesn't say that. He actually says, no, you're going to be responsible for all the sins, right? right. Which means you're going to suffer. Right. <laughs> right. But um, you know
0: sort of where it's all going.
1: You know sort of where it's all going and you have a purpose. You have a meaning. Your right. life is not empty. It's not devoid. You don't have to try and figure it out, you know, or, or like try and make up something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, no, you you matter, right? You matter. Like, you, you're, not, you're not just... Wandering aimlessly. Right. You know?
0: Right. Um, so when you think about the contemporary sort of philosophical scene mm-hmm. or theological scene, are there um, contemporary thinkers that you would turn to that pick up some of these ideas from Dostoevsky?
1: Um, I mean, yes, I think, I think, you know, if we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about, like, what it, why am I here, right? Um, St. <laughs> John Paul II, Joseph Ratzinger, you know, um, the great novelists. Um, but if we're talking about innocent suffering, um, you know, um, there's another reading we do, The Pedagogy of Innocent Suffering, where uh, Blessed Carlo Gnocchi, um, who was a chaplain in World War II, but then also ministered to a children's hospital, so his, his whole his chaplaincy was actually taking care of and providing the spiritual needs for child victims of World War II in northern Italy. And he's kind of and he wrote this this thing as a reflection on um, how are we to make like where is Christ in the midst of suffering? Mm-hmm. And so he has kind of this idea of, uh, you know,, um, you know, he he gives kind of like this explanation of like, okay, we can see why we suffer in terms of like, okay, we're all, uh, we have a common humanity, mm-hmm. right? So it goes back to that common humanity thing. And so we're all kind of connected by this common humanity. But then, you know, and that means, you know, like my actions are going to affect the whole humanity. Like my actions are not just going to affect me. In the church, we say there's no such thing as a private sin, mm-hmm. right? Like every sin affects the entire body of Christ. And, um, but Dostoevsky, or, um, Gnocchi says, um, because of Christ right, suffering is not just a punishment suffering is not just a consequence suffering is not just something we have to live with and, and deal with right? Suff- Christ's suffering out of love for us uh, restored us mm-hmm. and so we you know, in our suffering children, innocent children in their suffering um, can be united with the suffering of Christ which I think is also what Dostoevsky was talking about and that loving suffering, right, that suffering animated by love can then, you know, has an effect of bringing about, you know, grace in the world, right, and bringing about conversions and hearts, right, and giving meaning to people's lives, you know, and, and it takes, it's, it's a supernatural vision to get this, right, but, um, and that's what's so funny is a lot of people think kids can't understand this, but Nyoki, you know, in his experience, he said the, the young children are so much more easily able to grasp How their suffering can transform the world Hmm. than old people and older people, you know, Um, because they kind of can see more clearly Christ and and they can say they understand, you know, or they have this sense of like, yes, this 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 makes sense. I can do this. Um, And and that, I think, helps us see, you know, without Christ, I don't think we can make sense of suffering. I don't think we can make sense. Or even if we can understand it philosophically, why there is suffering from sin and all this stuff. And, you know, it wasn't intended for us to suffer, but through our sins, we brought suffering into the world. There's still this aspect where that's just like, okay, but like, why should I be like, what, like, wh- where's my motivator there, you know?
0: Right. Why should I participate in that?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have Christ coming. It's like, oh... Because God loves me so much that, that he died. He shared in my own personal sufferings. You know? um, there's a line in Isaiah uh, in the fourth servant song that, that basically, paraphrasing, but it basically says, Christ took upon himself um, all of our sorrows, all of our griefs he bore. So every single moment of my grief was present. Every single pain I've ever experienced was present to Christ during his passion. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that Christ suffered like me, but Christ suffers with me. You know, Christ suffered with me. Um And Christ is present to me in my suffering, and now all of a sudden it's like, okay christ's love for me makes everything in life, not just the sufferings, but the joys, the great things, the happiness, like the you know the little things, the tedious things, right all of those things now all of a sudden like they're not vain, they're not vanity, they're not just fleeting, they're not just empty, but they're 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 a gateway into this eternal life with Christ yeah. You know?
0: As you think about Dostoevsky, um, are there philosophers and other novelists, or are there other figures that seem to lead us to the talks of Father Zosima um, or the Grand Inquisitor Rebellion? Do you find precursors?
1: Could you rephrase that? (laughs) (laughs) Like precursors to dostoevsky, or... yeah
0: so like nineteenth century um, thinkers of different kinds that set up the kind of philosophical framework or um, framework of story that would then lead us to these ideas
1: man, call me out um, <laughs> yeah. i don't i mean I, I, I'm not sure on the dates, but I know like um. I know kind of a lot of themes Dostoevsky's writing about against are kind of like Nietzschean themes, but I don't know. If, I I don't know the dates with Nietzsche, right. and Dostoevsky. Right. but I also in the air more. at the yeah. time, right? Yeah, and Marx, Marx, I yeah. think Marx obviously, right? Right. Like Dostoevsky was a socialist uh, before he had a huge conversion experience, right? Right,
0: and the uh, um, I mean that seems to be a lot of yeah. what the Grand Inquisitor is about. Sort of like we must meet the material needs of people, and if we did that, and also I think what Ivan has to say that if mm. we um, that well Ivan has to say that it's all circumstance, and there is mm. no crime. And then the other part of it is that if we meet the material needs of people, then there would be no sin or there would be no um, there would be no need
1: Well I think I think Ivan's a bit more complicated than, than like this 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 idea of like just economic salvation. Mm-hmm. Like just give people money in the, like I think he, he I think thinks you have basically he wants, In the Grand Grand Inquisitor, I'll say the Grand Inquisitor because it's like, is this what Ivan thinks or is this what the Grand Inquisitor thinks? The Grand Inquisitor, I think, it's not that he rejects the notion of sin. He just wants to basically not hold the masses to these categories, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, right? They will say, there's one line where it says, they will say at the end, there is no, there is no crime, there is no sin, there are only hungry men, I think is the way it's phrased. Uh, Yeah. Um, And this, this kind of basically this totalitarian control where they'll let the people sin. They'll let the people commit adultery or whatever, um, in this controlled fashion, but they won't tell them it's sin, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and they'll bring about the end of suffering quote, you know, in quotes, um, by just provide, but yeah, by meeting the material needs, but mm-hmm. also restricting, restricting freedom, ultimately restricting the ability, you know, to, to, to think the ability to choose the ability to love, right. um, by basically, yeah, in a sense turning people into animals by just mm-hmm. saying like you have desires meet them right mm-hmm. you have passions indulge them you right know,
0: um... it sounds like brave new world
1: a little a bit, bit yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, I. it seems like the more dystopian novels I read, it seems like they're all just kind of...
0: They all come from this. Yeah,
1: it seems like the Grand Inquisitor is kind of like, you know... Well, I think <laughs> the, that
0: meeting material needs and mm-hmm. having that as the meaning of life mm-hmm. leads to a lot of dystopian thought, right? I mean, like yeah. that leads like a lot of... Um, especially at the beginning of the 20th century, you get a lot of novelists who are really interested in like what happens when you meet the material needs or if you make that the purpose, Mm -hmm. um, what's lost. And I think artists in particular are attuned to what's lost.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So thinking about the brothers Karamazov, um, I wonder a little bit about other characters Mm -hmm. and how they fit in. Um, so it's a commonplace that, um, you know, Tolstoy is a novelist who dabbles in philosophy, but Dostoevsky is a philosopher who writes novels. And so thinking that way, we want to perhaps read some of the characters a little bit more allegorically. So thinking about what they stand for, that's kind of not fair
1: Yeah, right? I, to, I think to so. reduce yeah. it.
0: But it's also maybe useful, I mean, it may be that characters um, sort of um, post or tag Mm -hmm. up to certain ideas, but then they're also more complex. But I think a little bit about the father, Theodore, who is um, a hedonist and Mm -hmm. kind of a joke, and the way that he represents sort of the Karamazov ideal of living for the moment and living for pleasure. And then, of course, um, Smirjikov, the half brother and how he plays in. Do you want to talk about either of those?
1: Yeah, but I, I think it's important um, to talk about kind of the the Karamazov baseness and leaving yeah, like the hedonism ahead. comes from this thought of like if we reject God, then all is permitted. Right. Right. So if we reject, um, you know, um, and which of course is a much more complicated argument than I think at first glance people might think. People might be like, well, no, no, you can, you can believe there is no God and still think things are wrong, but then you have to well, why are they wrong? And that goes into a whole right. argument, which I, I tend to agree with Ivan, that if there is no God, all is permitted. Um, but you see that play out in Fyodor and in, in Smerdyakov. Smerdyakov is, is his illegitimate child, so he's kind of this half-brother to, well, I think Dmitri is also the half-brother of that Ivan. that's true. And but he's yeah. kind of this illegitimate child... The other three were all from Fyodor's wives. Um, so you have this Ill- illegitimate child who's kind of embraced this all is permitted. Or maybe he's right. not embraced it, but he he follows through with it.
0: Right. And so know? as the child of stinking Lizaveta yeah. and Fyodor, um, he is maybe a little closer. It, he's not intellectual, right? right? So he's a little bit closer to the... Maybe more instinct-based way of living, but um, then he's also very clever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, very clever. So he might not—he doesn't have like the formal book training of like Ivan, uh, but he is very clever and he is very sinister. Um, and and so he and so this Ivan makes a comment with Alyosha where he's like, "I'll just do what I want until I'm thirty, and then I'll right. I'll smash the cup on the floor, right? So he'll just he'll just end his life." And it's kind of this this theme of like, okay, well, if there's no point to life, just get as much pleasure as you can and then just check out eventually. Mm-hmm. And Smirjikov does it, right? Smirjikov, you know, I don't know about the pleasure thing, but he does end his life. Um, really, in a way, maybe he did get pleasure at, at seeing the pain he brought Ivan. Hmm. Um, right? Because you can do whatever you want. So if you want to inflict pain in people, if you want to hurt people, just do it, right, is kind of the thought. So he
0: might have enjoyed that power.
1: I don't, I think he enjoyed or the pain, the pain that he caused
0: as pain. opposed to power hungry.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's, I don't think he, but so he basically looks at Ivan at one point and um, he's talking with Ivan. He basically says, Hey, you killed your dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't like, and he's kind of like, you know, saying it's like, you know, all is permitted. You right. told me that you left. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you know, you were like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, right. knock off dad, right. And so, and Ivan is just like faced with this turmoil, like how his ideas have played out. You know, um, and, right. and... And
0: that reminds me of another Dostoevsky novel, right? The one that um, I teach. Yeah. right, yeah. Right, I mean, that's about crime and punishment, too. Like, what happens when bad ideas are allowed free reign?
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so... But then the dad, of course, dies, as we said. Um, but I think what's interesting is you see in them, um... An unsatisfactory way of life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really showing the the meaninglessness of all is permitted, right? Right, and the emptiness of all is permitted, um, and it just kind of. It's I think it's it might be appealing when you're like you know, a little young maybe, mm-hmm. um, but then but or or at first glance if you're not really thinking deeply, um, but then if you actually are engaged in thinking deeply about you know these struggles of like. Why am I here? Why do I exist to do whatever I want? It's just like, well, but I can't do whatever I want. You know, right. there are always limits on what I can do. Right. Um, and, or not, not, and what I mean by that is like, if you want to do really bad things, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of the beauty of Christ, you know, is, is Augustine has this line, love and do what you will. And so the more we love Christ, the more we'll want to do what we're supposed right.
0: to do. I mean, you know? not freedom from, but yeah. freedom to. Yeah. So not yeah. freedom from restriction, but freedom to love yeah. or freedom to um, do for others.
1: Yeah. And that actually forms authentic communion, authentic brotherhood, authentic... Uh, all the things, you know, we were talking about. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think, you know, the, the Smerdyakov, you know, hanging himself, Fyodor, you know, dying, but also just causing such a mess of life, you know, mm-hmm. and just... There's nothing noble. There's nothing worthwhile in that life. Um, whereas Zosima, Alyosha, Dmitri, you do because Dmitri, you know, who's framed for the murder, um, says, you know, like I, I, I take up this responsibility. Like Dmitri actually says, you know, basically, you know, he's innocent, but he re- accepts responsibility for sin. Right, uh, you know, um, he, and Dimitri was a he, pretty hedonistic guy, you know. Right, who, and
0: that's a move forward in his character arc. Right, yeah, his development yeah. as a person.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so, yeah, it's. Uh,
0: and you think of Alyosha on the other side as someone who's kind of always been living for something beyond himself, mm-hmm. and how he moves through the novel too as a kind of exemplar. Um, I don't know if you are super familiar with the end and the um, interactions with the children.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I was actually gonna gonna bring that up. Yeah, do that. I was talking to Margot Kalaki, our third grade teacher. who Also teaches seventh grade English, and she was um, she brought up the point of Ivan uh, corrupts this one young girl, this mm-hmm. one character, and um, you know his kind of way of thinking took this innocent girl who, who's wheelchair bound, so who right. suffers, and, and corrupts her. And Alyosha has been dealing with these kids. This boy who was picked on by his his classmates because his dad got like was dishonorably something with the military. And Alyosha kind of like befriends this child. And actually, by his witness, um, the other children kind of like fall in love with this child in a way, right? Right. They they come to be devoted to this child. And if a memory serves me correctly, it's the child that that child gets sick and that child suffers. And so you see the the the, the um, Zosima way of life, bring is is generative, right? It, right. It's you know that's why Elder Zosima, right? It's this generative, truly fatherly love, that brings in, in Alyosha, right? So he generates kind of this, this way of living of Alyosha, who then in turn generates, um, which goes back to the, the opening, the, the tagline of the novels. Unless a, a, unless a, a grain of wheat fall to the mm-hmm. earth and die, it, it remaineth. But if it die, it bears much bears much fruit. And so you have this generative life of Father Zosima, the generative life of Alyosha from like dying to self, right? Dying to my, like dying to, you know, um, Alyosha has all these thoughts about what Zosima will be like. And then he, he has this trial of faith. And so he has to die in a way to himself, right? To, to see more clearly, you know, reality. And so that brings forth the life of these children, right? And, they, and you know, these children surround, you know, I think he's their classmate as he's dying yeah. and Alyoshka's is there and it's, it ends at the funeral and there's just beautiful kind of reflection Alyoshka gives about the resurrection and about the hope of the resurrection and life eternal. And so, you know, Margot brought up like, you know, you have Ivan's way of life cor- corrupting children, but Alyoshka's right. way of life redeeming children nice. right? and restoring children. And here's this innocent suffering child who dies. Mm -hmm. but who has meaning, has purpose. Whose suffering was not in vain, was not empty.
0: Right, that's probably the most convincing um, way of setting that forth through Mm -hmm. an example um, in that way. I think that we can talk in a kind of airy, abstract way about innocent suffering Mm -hmm. and um, how it has meaning and purpose. But to see an example of the child who dies and also who's helped by Alyosha, right? And um, through his death, he has brought something important to the community.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Alyosha, of course, reminding them that he's not not dead, right? Which is kind of this beautiful thing about the hope of the resurrection, right? That it ends with is just, hooray for Karamazov. Excellent. (laughs) The thing to add would be, if you haven't read Brothers Karamazov, you know. Find the time, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And so it's interesting to pair it with the other texts. Talk about the.
1: Oh, yeah, the Pedagogy of Innocent Suffering. Of yeah. Innocent Suffering. Well, so we actually reread first the um, excerpt from The City of God, mm-hmm. right? So it's an apologetics course. Uh, and so it's like you get this philosophical understanding of where evil comes from, right? It comes yeah. from us. It doesn't come from God, it comes from us. Because we want something good but it's not the true good or the way in which we want it is disorder. So you get this kind of philosophical framework Mm -hmm. and then you read kind of, okay, well, okay, that, okay, sure. Fine. I can buy that. Then you say, okay, but what about innocent suffering? So then you read this text and it's like, okay, you know, is the way forward just like get rid of freedom? Like Mm -hmm. is freedom the problem? Is love the problem? It's like, oh, that can't be the problem. Right. So then you read Zosima and it's like, okay, this gives us like, okay, but how, how do I live this way? How, like, what does this look like? Then pedagogy of innocent suffering kind of provides this, this kind of window into what it means to take yourself up and make yourself responsible for the sins of men, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, um, Flannery O'Connor has that great line about faith where, you know, people think faith is an electric blanket, but really right. it's the cross, you know? Right. And pedagogy kind of illustrates that. Yeah, I was know? thinking
0: actually about Flannery O'Connor as you were talking about some of the distortion that you see in Dostoevsky. And um, I mean, Flannery O'Connor talks about the action of grace on people who are not very willing or capable <laughs> of accepting it. Yeah. And you see a lot of that in the brothers Karamazov. I'm sure that Dostoevsky is a big influence.
1: I would I would assume so. Yeah, yeah.
0: And also the distorted characters, the way that they're um, they're self-satisfied or hyper-intellectual or whatever, mm-hmm. and the way that they you know need a blast um, of grace yeah. and how that blast is sometimes physically violent um, O'Connor also talks about how she has to write in kind of cartoons so that you know people can see them. Um, in the way that you have to um, make big images for people who don't see well, or you know, talk loudly for mm-hmm. people who can't hear, or whatever. So that idea of amplification and distortion as the way to set forth an idea that seems close to Dostoevsky, um, in terms of the um, kind of philosophical values of the characters. And um, and then sh- like telling us an idea and then allowing it to spin out so that we can see mm-hmm. how it manifests or what it what it ends up meaning. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for oh, appearing on the pleasure. podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And we'll look forward to more conversations like this. I wonder if um, this can also be kind of a. Um, I know, I was going to say a dialogue, but it's already a dialogue. But this can be even more dialogic by having um, students respond in different ways. Hmm. And we can have kind of an ongoing conversation. But thanks very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Brookwood Life of the Mind podcast. Our producer is Quentin Walsh. Our theme music is by Fabian Tell. And ideas expressed here are the participants' own.